Welcome to Being in Practice. I'm Erin Davis. I use they, them pronouns. I'm a therapist. I'm Danny Dwyer-Willingham. I use they, she pronouns, and I'm a quantum somatic coach. And we're a couple of queer, neurodivergent, multi-passionates here to get curious and unpack elements of collective and individual experiences through our intuitive, trauma-informed lenses. We're both practitioners and people in our own constant discovery, here to provide education, entertainment, and exploration on the practice of being as messy and as multidimensional as it can be. Let's Let's be in practice practice together. together. Hi, everyone. Hi. Welcome back. We're excited to have you. (laughs) Welcome back to being in practice. How is everybody doing? Are you asking me? How are you doing, Erin? I'm good. I'm feeling a little tired, but I'm excited to be talking about what we're talking about with um, you today glad we're being honest y'all that's all we're going to be on here is honest about how we're feeling what some, we're going through yep yep i had some chicken pot pie it made me sleepy <laughs> what can we say okay if you're new here thank you for joining us i'm danny my co-host aaron hey welcome welcome last week we talked about healing from repression into authenticity which is the perfect building block for what we're going to be talking about today, which is is relationships. Relationships. So if you haven't listened to last week, highly recommend. But also, if you're joining us here for the first time and want to keep listening, welcome. And you'll be fine. And you'll be great. Yeah, we will take care of you. This is a tender care centered space. Yes. Yeah. Um, And we explain ourselves well, I think so. (laughs) Yeah, specifically, we're getting into reciprocal relationships, which is the reciprocal part of this episode. You interjected, I would say. Mm. I don't disagree with it. I'm just saying. Yeah. So we're talking. I'm kind of curious what reciprocal relationships mean. Let's talk all about it. Thanks for being curious. Because, I mean, I could guess based on like my, you know, an educated guess. Your therapy brain? Yeah, my therapy <laughs> brain. Like, I don't even know all the details of everything, mm-hmm. but. It would be great for you to maybe define that. Absolutely. So for where I'm at in my journey with relationships, I have, again, as we talked about last time, healed and am constantly healing from repression into authenticity in the understanding of the kind and the quality of relationships that I want to have in my life. They are founded in reciprocity. Reciprocity for me coming out of a relationship with, with, um, power dynamics and power Mm -hmm. over dynamics means a level playing field in the sense that there is equality, equanimity, equal, and intentional energy exchange. I think also in partnerships and friendships, um, in family and familial relationships for them to have the kind of reciprocity that like I value at this time in my life, there's an acknowledgement that relationships will ebb and flow. Sometimes one person will need more and the other person will need to be more of a supportive role. And then that supportive person will oppositely or like at other times need more. And then that other person comes in and kind of offers more supportive role. And then there's, there will be some times where like there's more of a balance and everyone's giving and receiving kind of as you go. But I think again, for me, like healing out of power over dynamics and coming into this space of truly valuing reciprocity in my relationships and realizing that that those are the only kind of relationships that are 
in value alignment for me at this time in my life. That's so, yeah. I mean, that's a great definition. And it's, I'm glad you put the, like the ebb and flow part, because when I hear equality, which is a word you used to describe reciprocal relationships or how they function, you know, I go to like, well, it's not always going to be exactly even, but you address to that. So yes. that makes sense. And yeah. I love it. And I think that's definitely what I strive for in my relationships, even though I wouldn't necessarily use that word or haven't yet mm -hmm. used that word mm -hmm. to say that that's what I'm looking for. I like it. It's just being a little bit more intentional with language, which is something I care a lot about. So you kind of talked about power over dynamics. Mm -hmm. So like maybe it would be helpful and I think it would be helpful for my brain to know what the opposite. Like if people aren't striving for reciprocal relationships, is it that maybe we're not striving for any specific kind of, maybe we don't have intention around it. Maybe we're not aware or maybe we're unconscious or maybe like we've just found ourselves in what other types of, I mean, power over abusive. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are words mm -hmm. I think of, of like other forms of engaging, but I feel like there has to be some like neutral ground where maybe you're in a connection with someone and maybe it's not toxic, abuse, you know, all these words, buzzwords we could use or real words we could use, mm -hmm. but maybe it's just like neutral. Like, I feel like I've had experiences in my life where even in my adult life where I've had it's just like kind of flat. Maybe it's I'm like giving more than I'm getting or mm -hmm. vice versa, but it's not like harmful or yeah. like power dynamic-y. I mean, I think that's a super personal question to ask for our listeners too. If you feel like there's a relationship as you described it as flat and neutral, but without power dynamics, mm -hmm. is that a relationship that for you feels fulfilling and value aligned? If you are giving more energy than you are receiving, does that feel sustainable for you? If you are kind of out of what would feel like a reciprocal flow, does it feel like that's a relationship that adds value to your life? Do you feel like it drains your energy? I think, again, those are kind of questions that we can all ask ourselves about individual relationships, about group dynamics. Yeah. I think not every relationship is going to eat to be equal at all, like, sure. especially yeah. the way that, you know, humans connect in so many different ways, which is something we're going to talk so much about in today's episode. But yeah, like, what does it give to you? What do you give to it? Does that feel yeah. valuable to you? Yeah. I think there's so many ways to examine and to get value from relationships. It just is so personal to like what adds to your life. Definitely. And I think, so those are good questions maybe for our listeners, for myself, for all of us to ask about maybe more neutral or less harmful yeah. like relationship dynamics, but they do exist. I think mm -hmm. that's what I was getting at, right? Like there's the whole spectrum of like connection of, so re if reciprocal is the ideal and a, maybe abusive or otherwise toxic or harmful is like the other side of the spectrum, mm -hmm. there is also this middle ground of like where it gets a little grayer, like where maybe in even some of these gray ones, like we were talking about a minute ago before we started recording that, yeah, we do like sometimes neutral connections, flat connections are necessary and mm -hmm. or beneficial mm -hmm. to our lives. For sure. And those are good questions to ask about those gray relationships for yourself. If you're wondering. Definitely. I think this is a good, well, there's two things I want to say is that sometimes getting to a neutral place in a relationship is like, 
the absolute best you can do. For instance, Mm -hmm. family of origin. Sometimes those are tougher dynamics. Sometimes you're healing from toxic or more codependent or more um, dysfunctional dynamics. Mm -hmm. Healing into neutrality, big win on that. Mm -hmm. For myself as a co-parent, as as someone who's divorced and parenting a child with a Mm co-parent, neutrality, big win. Like we had a compassionate and as conscious as possible divorce. And, you know, there were still things that were really tough. So for us to have like what is now a very neutral and unemotionally charged co-parenting relationship, again, excellent, like great space to be. So for me, that is, I don't need a reciprocal relationship in in those kinds of ways. You know, it's like they can be in my life. They can serve me in those ways. Neutrality is like optimum for those. Well, that's good perspective because- even if your ideal, which you were just kind of talking about at the beginning, is reciprocal, mm-hmm. clearly the ideal, that's the ideal for, like, maybe your most intimate connection. For sure. But then we have these other layers of, of like, right, what's closest to my core as far as who I'm connected with. Mm-hmm. And the farther you go out, maybe the more acceptable it is to be neutral. For, sure. And, like, that's what you're yeah. describing. And also, as you're saying, right, like, family of origin, ex-partner who you're co-parenting with, like... We're talking about relationships today of all sorts. And so, so that many brings scopes in of relationships. I do want to kind of start by just bringing in this definition of love that Bell Hooks kind of introduced mm. to the world through her book, All About Love, New Visions, that I believe was first Scott Peck's definition. And for me, relationships, even the neutral ones, I would strive to influence that everyone examine if our relationships are contain these kind of layers of this definition. So this definition of love, they're the quote unquote seven components in which love includes care, affection, recognition, respect, commitment, and trust, as well as honest and open communication. That's a lot of things. And also for me, I truly believe the basis of how reciprocal relationships are possible, what love relationships, and I'm talking love in all capacities of love, romantic, platonic, again, all the things we're going to get into today. Yeah. But for me, that is a vital foundation for relationships of all kinds. Mm -hmm. If they, if our relationships are not able to contain all of those components, I think neutrality is kind of like the step down from that. Mm -hmm. And then I think for me personally, again, where I'm at in my life, like relationships that don't contain that are either neutral or they don't serve me anymore. And then therefore maybe those connections and change. Yeah. And yeah. they change and, you know, relationships change constantly through our lives. Yeah. Yeah. For a lot of different reasons. Yes. So true. Yeah. I mean, may, I like the bell hooks definition that you just went over. And I think like it, it is interesting to think about the seven components in relation to like those neutral people mm. or those neutral level connections, because they probably still include some of these, but mm-hmm. maybe like for you and how you're living currently and maybe how I'd even choose to live would be that my res- like intimate relationships have most, if not all of these, most of the time, if not all of the time. Totally. I mean, you know, we can't probably go strive for a hundred percent, percent, but like, right. And so neutral would probably still include some of these a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but maybe not all. So I like yeah. that. It's a nice little rubric maybe mm-hmm. for our listeners and for ourselves. Yeah. 
and thinking of love as it says here, love is an act of will, both an intention and an action. So thinking of love as a verb, like how are we showing up in all of these ways in action with the people that we care about, with the relationships that we have in our lives? Totally. For me as a parent, how am I living that action of love as a parent in all of those ways? For yeah. you know, I do strive for as much as humanly possible, sure. you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, because we're talking about all types of relationships today, I think we are going to center romantic relationships a little bit and also like what we would call poly intimate relationships, which we will dive into. So do you want to, where, where do you want to start, Erin? Now that we've already started. <laughs> where should we go next? Where should we go next? I don't know. This is a really big topic. Yeah. And I think centering maybe like we've talked about what, what the ideal is what the not ideal is the various styles i don't know i think we have queer relationships on here too mm -hmm. like i think that's a really nice i think thinking about queer relationships even like going into that like if we're talking about the different types of connections styles like love levels whatever i mean queer relationships i think queer people do this really well like mm. we are already quote-unquote non-conforming just in any of your any queer identity at least at one point was a marginalized population now a targeted population mm. continued but I think queer dynamics queer queer people loving queer people non-romantically or romantically has always included I, I would say an aspect of like building that chosen family having community um doing relationship like there's more freedom to do really like we don't we don't have the same pressure or we've unlearned the conditioning mm -hmm. of like following the relationship milestone. So already we're doing things differently. We're moving in sooner or not getting married because we're not allowed to, or choosing to get married once it's allowed and then making families in different ways and having all sorts of different dynamics there, or even having multiple, like, right. There's all sorts of ways that I think queer relationships are a nice kind of beacon of, how connections and the depths of them can look different, even if you're not romantically involved yeah, with someone. Absolutely. Which I think kind of ties into what we were talking about last time, which is when we are able to kind of release repression from our lives, heal through repression. Um, and again, for those of you who haven't listened, that's like so much of the societal conditioning that we are kind of put mm -hmm. under growing up in this society yeah. of conformity and of doing things a certain way. I think even just accepting queerness is like step number one of, of accepting that we can be nonconformist in relationships and that relationships can look mm -hmm. so many different ways. I mean, again, as somebody who created, I created a heteronormative nuclear family for myself and it did not work for me. You know, mm -hmm. it didn't work for my family. Everyone, in my family is so much happier now that we are not a nuclear family. Yeah. My kid has so much love in their life because not only do I have like a romantic partner, I have a, an aromantic life partner. Mm -hmm. I have a poly intimate community. Yeah. They all love my kids so much. And it's That's like, so cool. it is so beautiful to just be like, this is what the village, this is what it can be. Yeah. This yeah. is what the village can look like outside of, 
you know, what it used to be, which was people living in smaller, like actual physical communities together. Now we're all so spread out and like living in late stage capitalism, people are busy, you know, like mm -hmm. people have lots of things going on, but yeah. also there's like so many different ways and what feel like newer ways to explore how we like live and connect with people in ways that, you know, feed us and just let us know we're not alone, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you haven't found that yet, it's out there. It's it's out there. And also it can feel so daunting to be like, well, here I, I remember my aromantic life partner and I a couple of years ago were like, God, we just feel so fucking alone. Yeah. Where are our people? Like, this was also still kind of like, yeah. you know, COVID times. Totally. Just being like, why does it feel like no one is out there ready to meet us where we're at? And here we are, fast forward two years later, we've, Not created, too long. we've created that for ourselves yeah. for sure. But there will be moments of just, I mean, there have been for me at least like moments of such despair. I mean, and that's even after I was divorced and had, that was a whole other level of <laughs> relationship dynamics, you know? Sure. But in like a queer, more like, how can I do relationship differently perspective? It's yeah. Still having moments of being like, how do I find these people? You know? But yeah. How do you think you found your people? Oh gosh, I'm going to give a very boring answer. Not really boring, but That's like okay. probably an answer, you know, as, as an extroverted introvert, I had to put myself out there. I first joined a queer co-working space, which again, living in Portland, I think I was lucky to have mm. access to. That's where I met two of the people, like first night I went was where I met two of the people who are now in my polyintimate community and like mm. two of my closest That's cool. life people. That. Yeah. And from there, it was just saying yes to things as a single parent, you know, finding what that balance felt like mm -hmm. of like putting myself in queer spaces and just, I mean, let's talk about vulnerability, like intimacy for me and reciprocal relationships in general is cultivated through the ability to be genuinely and authentically vulnerable with people. And I think I was also very intentional about the kinds of relationships that I needed in my life. I wanted people who could meet me where, where I was at, who could sit in messy emotions with mm -hmm. me, who could understand that I am a parent and sometimes, you know, need support and also totally. sometimes need to be distracted. Mm -hmm. And also sometimes I just have different needs. My schedule yeah. fluxes. And now I have people in my life who prioritize like meeting we, me where I'm at mm -hmm. and vice versa. Mm -hmm. I meet them where they're at as well. Yeah. But the, the starting place for that was like, I was very lucky. I had two people who kind of like were, they stuck with me through everything. Yeah. So I did have those That's people, great. but from there, it was really just about like, who are the kinds of folks that I want to be around? And I just kept putting myself in those spaces. And then here I am two years later with like seven folks, even more than that. But in my poly, in, sure. in my poly intimate community, there's seven of us. It's interesting to think of, to hear all the, you know, like, here's how many people, here's how I did it. And I'm just <laughs> like reflecting on my own experiences with 
you know, within friendship and community and connections that I have. And yeah, I don't like, I, I think that I don't maybe need as very many people. I don't know. I'm at least in this phase of life, mm-hmm. like, right. That can ebb and flow. So maybe it's important for listeners to hear that too. Um, right. Like your community can be, this is yours and this is yeah. a great example. And as we, I think we've said at least a couple times already in past episodes that, right. Like these are just two perspectives that we're giving, Yep. but I've definitely increased like my bar of expectations mm-hmm. for what my relation, like what types of relationships I want to keep close in my life. And I also noticed that I pretty significantly can ebb and flow in how many connections I need, depending on who's there and what they're giving me. But it does seem to be pretty low as far as like that goes. Mm -hmm. But yeah, no, it's just, I don't know. It's just interesting to reflect on. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you found your community. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm still finding, you know, my, my romantic partner, came in later in the game, Mm -hmm. I guess. And even from that relationship and like our connection, you know, Mm. things are still expanding and still always in flow always. And it's really beautiful just to kind of like witness and, and to be a part of. Yeah. I think one of the foundational aspects that my romantic partner introduced to me was relationship anarchy, Mm. which for those of you who don't know, there's like, it's a framework of instead of assigning heteronormative or more like societally typical aspects to relationships, Mm -hmm. it's really more of an individual way to look at each connection and relationship and what components serve that individual connection. So you can, there's like, I think it's called the relationship anarchy smorgasbord. Is that what it's called? Is this a book? No, it's like a, it's like a poster or like a, like a menu? A diagram, kind of like a menu, exactly. That's and my so partner funny. and I actually did that when, like, a few weeks into dating, they sent it to me and they were like, which of these do you want to apply to us, at least right now? And it can always change. And so we mm-hmm. went through mm-hmm. together and we were like, you know, this, 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 and this, and this. And I've since done it with multiple other people in That's my life. And it's like, do we share resources? Do we have, do we share physical touch? Do we share sexual touch? It's just a beautiful and brilliantly expansive way to and I'm I don't know who created it and that is something I will have to search to give credit for but it's been so beautiful to just be like in every connection that is valuable to me there's I get value from all of these people in such different ways and I think that's another way that kind of like applying a queer mindset to relationship is like we can't and don't need to have every one of our needs met by one person or by two people and or I think to to with the smorgasbord like or assuming mm-hmm. we're not also walking in assuming for sure there are less assumptive aspects I think to queer relationships and just like through a queer mindset of what is this relationship what does it mean to me what are the aspects of it and how does it bring value to my life and also again I think from the way that I'm living right now, because there are no prescriptive elements, it's like, mm-hmm. I'm not following the track of like, well, we've been dating for this long. So like, maybe it's time mm-hmm. to get engaged and get married or move in together mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, it's just being in relationship, which is being in practice. <laughs> I bet this feels 
to some of our listeners, I could imagine uncomfortable. Mm. And I think probably maybe even the last episode, definitely I know in future episodes um, and topics that this being thing, like our name implies doing things differently implies it is an act of letting go a bit and that is vulnerable and it does feel risky and there isn't a plan Mm -hmm. and there isn't a set schedule and there's not rules that's like something I always say there's no rules I say that to that to my clients constantly except like everything (laughs) except for ethics but as far as like relationship milestone plans or how connections have to be there aren't rules. Yes, of course, like don't harm yourself, don't harm others. I would say that's probably the only rule mm-hmm. there are, or at least what all the other ethical rules are based off of. But other than that, like, yeah, it's kind of a free for all. And we're just, our brains like patterns, our brains like predictability. And so the things that were sold from a young age and conditioning of, you know, you're going to get married to Prince Charming, but first you'll like move in and all, I don't know, like depends on if you came from religion or not, but there is like a very set set of like things you do and don't do in relationships. And the romantic relationship is often also put on a pedestal. So absolutely, absolutely. This whole, what we're talking about relationship anarchy, that's a really strong word. I remember the first time I heard the word, the phrase relationship anarchy. And I was like, a little bit like the word anarchy is a little hard it's a little to heavy. swallow <laughs> it just seems out there it's radical it yeah it is and so I could I don't know I guess I want to just put out there for our listeners that like it is uncomfortable mm. it is an uncomfortable if you've never especially if you've never even thought of this or broached the subject oh like oh I'm living like this way because that's just what I would you know I don't know where any of you all are at it is uncomfy and I think that's what we strive for here in this in our lives in this podcast we want to bring the uncomfortable things up because ultimately like the un- this uncomfortable thing that we're talking about doing relationships differently mm-hmm. I think we're talking about it because it feels so much better than it ever did when maybe you were prescribing to what you were supposed to be doing. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like through examination, through learning how to decondition, Mm -hmm. which is a many layered process Mm -hmm. through Mm -hmm. learning nervous system regulation, self-regulation, co-regulation, building relationships from those places. Then we can be free to make actual decisions that are in alignment with who we actually are. Mm-hmm. And that is hard work. Mm-hmm. It's scary. Mm-hmm. It is constant. So yeah. We're right on track here. It's, putting it ourselves outside of societal heteronormative patriarchal construct is othering. It's like we have to choose to other ourselves by being queer. I mean, not everyone listening to us is queer, but if you're even interested in doing relationships in more reciprocal, more like outside of conditioning ways, it's, yeah, it's a big navigation that brings up a lot of grief and 
also brings up so much joy. It's messy. It's messy. It's possible. It's all of the things. <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking how much this relate like it just relates so much to the authenticity episode and mm -hmm. authenticity in general like because it feels it's the, just another layer of like of that deconditioning of healing from repression i would argue that if you're following or if you've been following or ever followed like conditioned you felt like you just were falling in line to like check the boxes of like your life within relationships so romantic this is what happens and then we move in and we, you know, all that stuff. Um, and people are like relegated to boxes. These are my friends. Yes. This is my yeah. partner. All of that. This is my family. So if you're doing that, if you've done that, that it's just another form of repression. If you've never examined it at least, right? Like I'm not saying people, and I don't think either of us are saying people can't choose heteronormative monogamous yep follow the like fault like if you followed that path it's not bad it's not wrong right and examining it could be worth it to ensure that like that if there is an edge there that feels uncomfy or you're not fully happy or fulfilled or at peace with your life or your life choices that then that could be worth examining. Then there are other ways. My yeah. my ADHD brain is going a million miles a minute. But it's also okay <laughs> if you're in a heterosexual, yeah. married with kids, have owning say, house relationship. Even the way that like I am sexually monogamous, mm -hmm. which is I think to some people in poly and in ethical non-monogamy or just non-monogamous like mindsets is like limiting but it's what works for me, you know? So I think that there are so many ways to make choices that might even quote unquote seem more conventional, but if they're right for you, they're right for you. Some people, and, and I know some people who genuinely thrive in like a nuclear family with children, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. some people not so much. Mm -hmm. And so I think again, it, I mean, it really all goes back to how we know ourselves mm -hmm. and if our relationships are genuinely reflective of a more healed, more regulated, more value aligned version of ourselves. And that can also bring up that like, if not the examination process and the changing process of that, like could bring loss in, mm -hmm. it could bring, you know, I mean, for me, it was like divorce. It brought in so much life change that I didn't necessarily anticipate. Also something I've know, I know you've experienced mm -hmm. and that can be scary for sure. Mm -hmm. So again, I think it goes back kind of like we said at the beginning, it's such a personal journey and exploration and we've just mm -hmm. got to figure out what works for us. You know, I do think, you know, I do think it's true that in general blanket statement, but I do think it's true authenticity and connections, authenticity to self, whatever the authenticity is related to comes at a, there is a cost, hmm. but the cost is typically, there's also a benefit, right? It's a cost benefit analysis almost <laughs> using some financial terms, but yeah. there is a cost. So it is like you're saying the grief, the discomfort, the major life changes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've known so many people that have come out, not not just you, so many people in my circle that have come out later in life 
from being married to men who are women, like my friends are the the women in the partnership and then, you know, leaving, leave, you know, making a choice to change the family dynamic, leaving their partners um, to pursue queer relationships. And so far it seems like everyone, it all actually works out really for mostly the benefit, like you said, like your family dynamic now, everyone's happier. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah. yeah, my ex-husband is happily repartnered and, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, we've all kind of found what we just didn't have together. Mm-hmm. And I think it also takes like a massive amount of bravery to even, oh, just, sure. to even just start questioning any of this, which I yes. think, you know, as a coach and as a therapist, I know we see so many people come in being like, here I am. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this, 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 but like, how do I take steps to just grow in self-discovery? And I think this is like relationships. We have relationships with everyone in our lives and we have relationships with everything. We've got relationship to the earth. We've got relationships to money. We've got so much of this. We will be talking about in our, you know, in this season and then in, in future seasons that we've planned, but like relationships are at the crux of connection connection is at the crux of existence. Like we're boiling it down here to how we relate to ourselves and others is how we move through the world. And we were also talking about blowing open this concept that I think so many of us in like quote unquote spiritual spaces or whatever have seen. That's like, you can't love others until you love yourself. And a false B we heal. I mean, there's a level of self-responsibility and self-accountability to our own healing. Of course. We've got to it's an learn how process. to know and love ourselves. Definitely. Absolutely. Which like, if you're struggling with even that, like working with a therapist or a coach is like a great place to start if that's accessible to you. And also we are reflected ourselves, us as humans are reflected back to us through the people that we are in relationship with, through the patterns that show up in Mm -hmm. relationships. Mm -hmm. And we are only, not only, but a huge part of healing those patterns and healing the ways we show up in relationships is by being in relationship with people and different types of relationships and testing what works and, you know, feeling like, do I feel safe in this connection? Do I feel fulfilled in this connection? Do I feel joy in this connection? Do I feel reciprocity? Like, and then hitting road for me, again, speaking only from my experience, but hitting roadblock after roadblock of being like, this feels sticky and messy. And do I eject or do I stay in this really uncomfortable place in this relationship, actually be intimate, actually be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and figure out what this is bringing up for me that feels so messy and hard Mm -hmm. and that has paid off every single time and my guess is by payoff you mean two multiple things and then Mm. and I would guess because as a you know I work with couples I have my own experiences but that either you're going to be met with what you need by through your vulnerability asking for what you need leaning into the messy, the uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. or you're going to get valuable information from that person that they can't meet you there with what you need as you're requesting it and being vulnerable and getting uncomfy. And that is valuable information for you to, you know, either continue to 
practice vulnerability and see if they can meet you. And if not, after however many chances we decide we want to give someone, they're not maybe for us mm -hmm. in this type of connection. Yep. And this is something I work with couples on. The couples I do see a lot is redo, like we're right, we're working on re starting building new habits whatever it is and sometimes the couples they can meet each other and show up in the vulnerable hard stuff but sometimes they can't and it pays off because do we really want to be in connection with someone that can't meet our needs consistently right in a pattern consistent way mm -hmm. no is the answer like there is one answer like maybe we're not all ready to say no but if we aren't getting our needs met, that is like, it hurts my heart, right? Having chronically unmet needs is a trauma response. Having chronically unmet needs leads to, or is a form of self-abandonment. Definitely. And leads to resentment, pain, internalized stuff. Stuff, <laughs> again, for me, led to depression, you know, because mm -hmm. I was holding Definitely. in so much. So... Not easy things to think about, not easy things to process, especially if we're already in long-term relationships with friends, with partners, with people. Definitely. Asking these oh, questions definitely. is, it's a scramble. It can change things very quickly. Which is why I recommend, we recommend. Working with people. <laughs> if you don't have you know, the, the connections, the type of like reciprocal connections we're talking about just in your, you know, average in your community, in your group of friends, family, whatever, pay someone or use your insurance to pay someone to have that type of connection. Cause we do need help in, in this sort of thing being uncomfortable, whatever it is, like making yeah. those changes so hard. And alone. we, we are both divorced people. And I also, you know, mm. it is the hardest thing I've ever been through, especially with a young child, not something I would say do everybody, but also no. I had, a, we had a therapist for years before we made the choice to separate. Mm -hmm. We had a therapist guide us through our separation and our divorce. We both had That's individual great. therapists through the whole process and we were lucky enough to have that access, but it has ultimately like we were going by the guidelines of like child psychology, child, you know, mental sure. development, doing everything, like checking all the boxes of making sure that we were doing it in a way that was like the most supportive for our child. Again, I think something, especially like as a child with divorced parents, like not something I experienced. I, mm -hmm. I don't think it's something that's modeled. Yeah. So again, like that is possible. And it was also like, the hardest, very expensive, like it was a lot of things to be able to, and I had the privilege mm -hmm. of being able to do my divorce that way. Mm -hmm. So I think like this examination relationships, as we've said already so many times, like they're going to be so different for everybody and how we move mm -hmm. through them, how we s even start aligning into more fulfilling, more reciprocal relationships is going to be so different for every single person. It starts with us and it also includes everybody around us. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, this is big stuff, y'all. We don't talk about little things here. <laughs> it makes me, you know, think about like our connection 
and relationships with family, especially for our queer listeners, like this authenticity thing, this connection thing, like our family of origin, um, mm -hmm. not necessarily the family we create. Um, but I don't know. I think it should just be put out there. Like that's also like a challenge. I know that's something that I went through with my queer identity and my 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 journey and my continued journey and authenticity of like having you know pretty religious conservatively religious parents and having a really conflicted experience internally of like and even still like I don't think it's fully figured out of like how do I connect with them what is the right connection mm -hmm. is any connection the right you know like mm -hmm. I don't have the answer but I think a lot of people relate to that. Um, whether your parents are religious or not, like parents can also just be not accepting um, of queerness for any number of other reasons. And yeah. so, or like life choices in general, married yeah, the wrong all of it. person or yeah. did the wrong job or whatever, or getting divorced, whether you're getting divorced because you're queer or not, or like separating your whatever. Yeah. Like all of those authentic journeyings that can lead that we maybe, you know, take pause on because of our fear of what, what the, it will do to our connection with our parents mm. um, is so common. And I don't know, it takes it, you know, it is a process. It, it's an unlay, it's like a de-layering, like you said, mm -hmm. um, there isn't like one linear straight, like path to that or to the conclusion, if there even ever is a conclusion. Um, but I think these are good, like what we're asking, right? These questions that you've brought up that we're posing to all of you mm. are beneficial and there's not one right thing to do. Mm -mm. There sure isn't. Should we segue a little bit into some of the more outlying relationship dynamics that we experience like polyintimacy, like non-monogamy, like polyamory? Sure. Yeah. Just diving right. We should probably right back on in. touch on <laughs> This is a really broad one today. It's a broad one. I but think we'll have to have another episode. It's, of these it's a big topic and it is good. It's good to cover it all. Yeah. So you want to talk about non-monogamy, ethical non-monogamy, polyamory. I think I there, want to. I think, yeah. I And I, I told Aaron before we were recording, I practice poly intimacy, but not polyamory in the way that I think that it's perceived by people as a sexually monogamous person mm -hmm. for now. Mm-hmm. So and I think I'm I'm poly minded. Aaron, <laughs> I'm coining it. You heard it here first, everybody. I looked. I can't find this word anywhere, but Aaron, poly minded versus monogamy minded. Yeah, is what I'm like. I don't know if I'm birthing it. Maybe it exists somewhere else, but I haven't found it yet. So please inform me if you've if you're like, no, this is from there. I would totally love to hear that. But anyway, I'm going to claim it for now. But being right, like I think me and my partner are. I would say right now, actually, we're monogamish, <laughs> but I do think I want to define monogamy minded. So I think monogamy minded versus poly minded. Um, it's the idea of what we've been talking about today. Mm -hmm. Poly minded is an experience that I feel like I am of where all connections, right? The idea that like my romantic partner, the person I'm having sexual connection with is is in a different, like, right, these groupings, like you were talking about, here's my sexual partner, my life partner, and here's my friends, and here's, like, my family of origin, and here's, like, my family with, that I have with my kids, like, it's just a lot of, like, 
What's There's a lot called? of compartmentalization, compartmentalizing yes. in the way that we are societally, societally taught to have relationship with people. But in my mind, because I have friends and a partner and a sib siblings and, you know, all these people in my life that I am connected to because I have any sort of relationship with them, that, that I, I am polyamorous or I am keeping my mind open to like the idea that all these connections are just as important. And maybe that's a little mm -hmm. bit like relationship anarchy. I don't know, but mm -hmm. I do think it has more to do with loosening my mind up and getting myself a little bit more into the gray that like every connection is a valuable connection, whether I'm having sex with the person or not. Mm -hmm. And so monogamy minded, I think I have been that where it's, well, this person matters more and these other connections are so different from this one. And that's just, I've come to realize for myself, at least that that is just not true. These are all very important connections to my well-being and thriving. And that I value them just as much, at least my intimate ones as my, my intimate, like sexual partner. Mm -hmm. Also I'm monogamous right now, just we're exploring things, but yeah, anyway. But I'm poly-minded, and I love the word. Yes, and I, I mean... I think it's similar same. to poly-intimacy, right? Poly-intimacy, again, not sure if this exists, but my friends and I, my poly-intimate community, and I, like, created it. It's so funny, because I think in English, we don't have great words for people. Like, there's either mm -hmm. partner, or friend, or, like, lover, or, like, whatever. Or, yeah. But I have a group of people that I, like, love. Like, love. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're more, I mean, they are chosen family, but also we're like flirty and we like hold hands and mm -hmm. we're like cute and snuggly and we mm -hmm. dance together. And like, I don't have sexual touch with them, but we've, yeah. we've got like love for each other. So totally. I'm like, I call them my friends, yeah. commitment, totally. Yeah. But I'm like, what are you really? Like, there aren't really great Word. ways to describe these things yet. It's mm -hmm. starting. One of my favorite resources for this is Casey Tanner. They are at Queer Sex Therapy on Instagram. They talk so much about all of this. Mm, if cool. Even if you're not queer, highly recommend checking them out. They're like a non-binary queer sex therapist, but talk so much about like the different ways that we can be in relationship and also how up until this point, like the ways that we can even talk about different mm. relationships is so limited in the English language. So yeah, go great. check them out. And also, yeah, like poly intimacy for me has become so much more than friendship. It is about honoring and valuing my connections with people in the ways that they actually are. My part, my romantic partner and I were just talking about this a few days ago. Like we both have given ourselves the permission to connect with people with our hearts, mm. not like in ways we think we should because we're yes. in a romantic partnership. Yeah. When I like meet somebody like even you, mm. when we met, mm -hmm. there was like a heart connection with us. Definitely. And if I had closed off to that, That's because so I was like, you know, like, we're <laughs> but if I had closed off to that, even in any way, because I was there with my romantic partner, we probably wouldn't be here today. But it's like having heart-led relationships with people is what poly-intimacy is for me. I love it. And I think that's what I equate to my poly-minded phrase. Because this is something that me and my partner, my romantic partner... <laughs> we're like, there's no words for about. these things. <laughs> well, we've talked a lot about our commitment to our relationship, to the relationship that we have. Um, and, and this is something fairly new for me, but like the 
I am prioritizing now, finally, like the relationship, at least in this connection, but I think in all my connections, I'm now, I'm now not putting on a pedestal, but like caring so much for the relationship that I'm putting aside any momentary discomfort of like having a need, being vulnerable, um, sharing openly, communicating openly. And it's so cool to see because like our connections here, not because I was maybe, and I was maybe poly minded, I guess that's why our connections here. But I think it's, it's about being able to like, connect with whoever on almost any level, not sexual with my current situation, which is fine, but being able to do that. And that if that for some reason was an issue, or like, let's say we did have like a certain rule, like maybe mm-hmm. I do want to have sex with someone else at some point. I'm not saying that now, but we've even talked about that. Like mm-hmm. as long as me not being able to do that or her not being able to do that or whatever, like in our agreements currently doesn't cause resentment, which is the long-term relationship killer, then we're good. But we need to be able to have the uncomfortable conversation. Yes. I want to have sex with this person or whatever is in, you know, outside of what we already have agreed upon. Because discomfort, and I want to talk about the jealousy thing too. And I know we're kind of running short on time now, but I think for me, I was so terrified of jealousy in a relationship with a person who, when we started dating was in another relationship mm-hmm. also. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we chose a couple of months into our romantic connection to become sexually Mm -hmm, monogamous, mm -hmm. but I was so afraid of the jealousy and it wasn't because I was afraid of the jealousy. It was because I was afraid of the discomfort to have that conversation Mm -hmm. with someone that I loved. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And I think that, I mean, for me, it can boil down to like that fear of the what if in almost any relationship and any kind of like uncomfortable way that we would need to have a conversation that that's centered from genuine, authentic, like need or questioning of things. Yeah. Because there is always the chance that it won't go well or that it won't go the way that we quote unquote expect or anticipate or want it to. And it could change things for sure. Mm -hmm. But part of being in authentic relationship with people is being able to say, here's how I'm feeling. Here's what it's bringing up for me. Let's hold this conversation together. Let's move through that in the ways that we can with the tools Mm -hmm. that we have Mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. And where does that leave us? Mm -hmm. And it might take you in different directions. My partner and I have been very honest about that Mm -hmm. with each other. We've already circled back so many different times, choosing to come back together And also are still very aware that like at any given time, us loving each other means that we are willing to support each other on paths, even if it means that our paths diverge. Yeah, I would say that is love. Oh, it is. And and that's another part of like the bell hooks definition of love is Mm -hmm. supporting people with the intention of supporting that individual's spiritual expansion, existential expansion. To love someone in that way means that you have to be willing to lose them. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Well, and I think that's what, I mean, yeah, bell hooks components are great, but I think that is what reciprocal relationships, what yeah. deep true love is, is I want, I mean, this, I put it differently with my partner, but it's like, I, I want her happiness 
And not like the fleeting kind, but like I want her like deep happiness over anything else. Yeah. And so I, and I, I said that to her this weekend, like, yeah, we had, we were having a discussion about like our current like relationship agreements and they just changed again. We've changed like three times, which I love. That's great. Like we're checking in regularly. It's beautiful. But I'm like, if you want someone else, if you need to move out of the, like, I don't know what it's going to be yeah. or what, it, if there's going to be anything, but I, that's higher than like what I want Yeah. for myself or my desire for her. And I think it's like, I'm like emotional because this has been so prevalent in my own personal journey mm -hmm. um, right now, but mm -hmm. it's like to love ourselves is to put ourselves first, but to love another person is to both be able to prioritize and center our, ourselves while holding someone else in their own highest self becoming. Yeah. It's so cool. Which is like so a lot. It's so cool. <laughs> I think I'm just so excited to be doing it right. <laughs> I mean, right's a hard, strong word, but it feels like the healthiest thing I've ever done in a romantic connection, mm -hmm. sexual connection, whatever, that it's so exciting to me. The risk is like feeling fun. It is so exciting, but it's like, for me, a cancer, you know, son who mm. is like deeply, and I'm healing this again, I think actively in relationship with people healing an abandonment wound, like a deep abandonment oh, wound. Yeah. The fear of being left is still so heavy mm. for me to hold. I think, mm. especially with a child. Mm. Oh yeah. Cause you're also leaving that kid, definitely, you know, definitely. But it's like a risk I have to be willing to take to have the quality of relationships that I know that I deserve in my life. I finally, I'm, I'm like, so happy it's so for you. emotional. <laughs> yeah, it is. The abandonment wound is a hard one. I've, I don't know how it happened, but I do feel like I've gotten, I don't know, you can never say complete, but the hump <laughs> over the hump for sure. I think so too. I mean, I think healing my codependency was like a huge, big one, um, which was like a years long journey, but mm -hmm. I can think, I think I can successfully say I have healed codependency in my life, which That's is amazing. not something I ever thought I would be able to say. That's so cool. That's a whole other episode. Yeah, we'll have. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's like after that, then all of these other things came up to the surface mm -hmm. that were like, well, that still hurts. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, it's still I mean. something I Just gotta work more, on. Right, the layers. We're coming uh, back to the layers. We're coming back to being in practice as we do every time. <laughs> it's all about being. We're never, it's never complete. Ugh. I'm yeah. gonna go cry now. We in didn't, a good way. We didn't really get into <laughs> all the types of different relationships, but I think what, we'll, what the spirit of what we're saying, what we just discussed, is that there are lots of ways to do a relationship, any connection of any kind, and that to discover what you want that to be with any certain person requires authenticity and communication, and then this type of love we're discussing. And that you can do anything you want, whether there's a word for it or not, whether there's you like ethical non-monogamy or polyamory or poly-minded or relationship poly anarchy or relationship anarchy. You can label it, you cannot, but yeah. you can kind of just do, again, whatever you want, as long as you're not hurting yourself or others intentionally. And get support if you need it. If Definitely. you feel like this feels out of your scope of current tools that are that feel possible for you, 
That's why people like Aaron and I exist, because we are trained to ethically support folks in asking these very questions and in creating the follow through in our lives that actually help us be able to then reflect our own value alignment, mm -hmm. to be able to call in and center the types of relationships that we learn that we deserve in our lives. Yeah. As messy and multidimensional. Oh, Danny's always looping it back. As it can be. Woof. I do love working with people on this. Mm -hmm. We're Same. If you want, as usual, as always, forever and definitely, if you're interested in working with Danny or I on any of this, I can only work with you if you're in the state of Oregon, but Danny's... I can work with you as long as you anywhere. have an internet connection. Yeah. <laughs> I'm virtual, so also Oregon, anywhere in Oregon yeah. works for me. But anyway... We will also have, you know, I think we're concluding our episode. So as long as we're talking about where you can get help, we're also going to have, as usual, again, resources. I'm going to have, a, I know I'm going to put a couple of books on there about different styles of relationships. Mm -hmm. We'll probably put the Bell Hooks one on there. Yeah. Um, but if you liked what we talked about today, you're interested in what, where the hell we're getting all these ideas, we'll have some some resources as well. Yeah. And we always continue these conversations on our Instagram at being in practice podcast. So join us over there. If you want to get up close and personal with Aaron and I, <laughs> we're, yeah. we're pretty funny over there. I'm not going to lie. Oh my gosh. It's a lot. Less so, tears. If you, yeah. <laughs> if you need like a lighthearted version of Aaron and I join us on our Instagram and find the will, bloopers there. Yeah. Find the blooper <laughs> reels. Yeah. We can't wait to talk to you all soon. We will be back with our next episode, which y'all is about money. Yeah, we got our guest, money, 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 Melissa money, Dorman. Money. I'm excited. In queer, in true queer fashion, she is my ex, but she's also very money smart. So. Yeah, so this will be a beautiful conversation about money, which is also a relationship because we've all got a relationship to money, y'all. Okay. Again, it's just... It just ripples perfectly. Boop, boop. It's the crazy. spiralic nature it's of existence crazy. is the spiralic nature of existence. Is this the Fibonacci sequence? And again? on <laughs> that note, we will leave you all. Thank you all for being yes, with thank us. Thank you. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Bye. Bye.